1: Just switching gears a little bit, uh, Alberta Justice Minister Doug Schweitzer promising to speed up efforts to modernize the police act. It comes after 15,000 people gathered at the Alberta legislature for that rally on Friday night. Calgary has also seen several huge demonstrations in support of the Black Lives Matter movement. Uh, Minister Schweitzer is saying it's his job as Minister of Justice and Solicitor General to ensure people feel safe and confident that justice is being done. Now work started back in september 2018 to review and update the police act which was introduced in 1988 most recently updated in 2011 lots to talk about with minister schweitzer this afternoon welcome back to the show appreciate it thanks for having me on today all right. First off, first things first, uh, watching what has unfolded over the past couple of weeks, what is, what is going through your mind? Where is your head at when you're seeing these protests, these rallies, uh, the death of George Floyd at the hand of a Minneapolis police officer?
0: Well, you know, it's powerful just to see people come out and speak. Like, I mean, a, a movement that started in the United States, I mean, now it's, it's here in Canada, but it, it's really been the eye-opening for me just to see how many people have come together to have one voice asking for a better system, asking for improvements, asking for more equality and denouncing racism. So you know, we, you know, in you know, leadership roles, have uh, the opportunity here to be a cabinet minister and in this area, and we have to make sure we listen. People need to be confident in their policing And, you know, right now in Canada, we have to have this discussion. We're going to be expediting our work on the Police Act and our policies to make sure that we hear people's concerns and address them head-on. We've also asked Ottawa with the RCMP to take similar steps on their end. And this isn't to disparage the work of our police officers. I mean, so many of them do amazing jobs every single day, day in and day out, keeping our communities safe. But, you know, there's occasional bad apple that's in there that, you know, smears everybody. So You know, sometimes the police can't speak out, you know, on their own behalf in some of these areas. So, but we're gonna be there for them and uh, make sure we get this right. Uh, we're gonna be consulting with indigenous leaders, with community leaders, with police, of, you know, chiefs of police to get this right for Albertans.
1: So, Minister Schweitzer, you, you, you said yesterday you promised to speed up efforts to modernize the police act. In a statement that was released, it said any allegation of excessive use of force by law enforcement is serious, must be treated as such. That is why we will expedite the work to modernize the act. What exactly exactly does modernize mean? What specifics are you going to be looking at updating or changing? So
0: we're going to be looking at, at the guidance around uh, governance as well as you know, police complaints uh, or sorry, complaints against police officers. We're going to be looking at the ACERT model that we have here in Alberta. I mean, it's a model here that we've had where charges have recently been laid against a couple of police officers through that model, Uh uh, significant charges. So we want to make sure we have it right, make sure that there's the right input from civilians, make sure there's the right input from members of the community through those processes. Uh, One bit of complaint that you get is that it's it's police officers investigating police officers. That's kind of a common theme of feedback that you get. So we want to make sure that the process is fair and balanced and has that community confidence.
1: I'm curious to know um, about this. you're, You're calling on the Federal Minister of Public Safety, as you mentioned, to review legislation and regulations governing the RCMP. Yesterday, the Prime Minister had a conversation with the RCMP Commissioner about body cams for RCMP. She said she would move on that. What are your thoughts on body cams for police? Is this something you support or not and why?
0: Well, on that area, I mean, a lot of people have brought forward the idea of having body cameras used yeah. by all of law enforcement in, in the province of Alberta. I want to talk to community leaders. I also want to talk to our law enforcement here. I know some areas are looking at this seriously. I know the federal government is, is moving in this direction, or at least it appears that way. So we need to have that conversation. If it's a tool that's useful, I mean, I want to listen to the experts and people on the ground on this one.
1: So those meetings, when you're talking about meeting with uh, community leaders, with First Nations, with the Chief of Police, uh, I know you just uh, you know put out this release yesterday saying that you're planning this. Have you moved forward on those calls? Are there any dates set? or are, are there planned meetings yet? we're
0: We're in the process right now of putting together that roadmap. I, I, if you know okay. me, I, I like to move quick. so we're we're planning <laughs> on getting this done in a, in a handful of months uh, in between now and probably early fall. Uh, to make sure we can get out there, meet with the stakeholders. You know, Ideally, I would have loved to have the environment where we could hold the old school town halls to really get out there and listen to people. But you know, we might be able to do some of that as we get into phase two and three, uh, just make people get more comfortable. Uh, but you know, we're going to engage people, use video conferences where possible, and, and get out there and listen right. to people. I'll also be working with my colleagues, uh, Minister of Indigenous Affairs, uh, and just to make sure that we're out there engaging with people.
1: Alberta Justice Minister Doug Schweitzer joining us this afternoon. Uh, Minister Schweitzer, there have been uh, calls to defund the police here in Edmonton. There is a groundswell of support um, asking that an anticipated $75 million increase to EPS over the next few years be diverted to community-led organizations, others also calling on the size of police services to be reduced. Uh, Do you or do you not support those calls and why? Well, you know, when I hear
0: that, I mean, I hear people that are
1: frustrated. You know, people are frustrated with the existing system, and people are looking for
0: ideas, and looking for ways to improve the, you know, the existing system that we have here to keep everybody safe. Everybody wants to live in a safe community, and there's lots of different ways to get there. But I hear frustration when people you know, make bold statements like defund the place. So really what we're going to be doing when this consultation is going out there, finding out how we can improve the system, and hopefully coming up with solutions here as we get to the, uh, the tail end of, the, of these consultations.
1: There have been questions and uh, some concerns being raised about the proposed changes to the Victims of Crimes Act and that fund, which we know, I think there's about $74 million in there. Uh, For those who are listening who don't know what it is, the fund allows victims of crimes to access support through victim services units across the province. Why are you tapping into that money?
0: Well, we're actually expanding the Victims of Crime Fund to include public safety. So right now, we, we usually spend about $40 million a year out of this fund. We're actually growing that to $60 million uh, to make sure we can tackle challenging issues in our communities and also fund projects like drug treatment courts. We have so many people that are addicts that are suffering. This is going to allow us to expand it to include public safety initiatives like drug treatment courts.
1: Um, there are many though that are saying that you know you're taking some of this money and put it towards policing and, uh, and and they're saying that in this day and age is it really appropriate to be taking money from a victims fund to divert it to policing initiatives and different programs what do you say to that
0: well remember this is about this isn't either or this is about more through this fund it's a 50% increase in, how, in the amount of resources coming out of it if you go to the town halls in rural Alberta right now but you listen to those people that have been victimized time and time again. You know what they want to have to happen? They want to make sure cases go to trial. They wanna make sure they know that a police officer is coming when they call for help. We've had situations in rural Alberta in particular where a police officer can be an hour away just simply because of lack of resources. So when you talk to people that have been victimized, people with mental health issues in rural Alberta right now, that are crying out for help, that is what this is meant to help serve and helps us fill some of those gaps. So as I was mentioning earlier on, people are trying to polarize this. This is about trying to help and deal with victims' issues across this province. They're different in different communities. The city of Edmonton has different challenges than rural communities. You go out to rural communities and talk to victims, they're worried about somebody coming to actually help them. Um,
1: Minister Schweitzer, uh, earlier today, criminal defense lawyer Deborah Hatch was on uh, the Ryan Jesperson show, and she was saying that the changes seem to create a financial incentive, or at least the appearance of a financial benefit to prosecution and police. So I just want to play a clip for you and get your response to it. Take a listen.
2: Well, first of all, the criminal code is is really clear, and this is federal law, and it says that uh, this money that comes through uh, victim fines is supposed to go to victims. So it's very clear about that. Section 737 of the criminal code says that, to go to victims. Uh, This bill... Changes that, uh, if it's passed, and says that uh, that this money will go also to police and to the prosecution, and that creates a, a conflict, the appearance of a conflict, because um, you know prosecutors are supposed to um, give the appearance uh, and also be independent and fair, and they are not supposed to win or lose a case; they're just supposed to prosecute the case in the public interest. There is not supposed to be an incentive for them to uh, to win a case or to get a conviction. And here there's a very clear incentive. If I, as a prosecutor, get a conviction, more money goes to my prosecution service. So that creates the appearance of a conflict and it creates an actual conflict. And it's something that we should all be very concerned about.
1: Minister Schweitzer, what do you say to um, Defence lawyer Deborah Hatch about that? I mean, I've heard stretches before in my life,
0: but that is a big stretch. I mean, this is about this is a fund that goes there to help fund priority works. But ex- we're talking about expanding this to include public safety initiatives, and I, I would actually encourage that uh, defense lawyer to go out and talk to people in rural communities that are living in fear right now and what they are looking for to help make them feel safe in their communities. They have been victimized. For, for about five, six years now, with overwhelming crime rates growing in rural communities, this is designed to help keep them safe. This, these people have been victimized, and they're living with mental health issues right now. What they want to know is that their case is going to go to trial; it's not going to get dropped. They want to know that police officer is coming to their door when they call out for help. This is meant to help people that have been victimized. And I'd encourage that person to go out there and talk to people. There's no conflict of interest here. It's been properly vetted. It's a government program. I'd encourage them to, to make sure they go out there and talk to people on the ground.
1: And Minister Schweitzer, before, I know you, you've got a busy day, and I appreciate your time. Uh, before, I do want, I have a couple questions about Bill 21 uh, that I want to get to. But I'm also curious, as we move into this second phase of relaunch, I'm getting a number of texts coming in from some of my listeners saying, what's going to happen with um, you know the courtrooms, reopening, that sort of thing. Do we know anything on on that front?
0: Yeah, I mean, we've been working with the courts, uh, they're they're slowly reopening now. Uh, They're they're putting up plexiglass in in many different courtrooms across Alberta to encourage people to feel safe and have those protocols there. We're also doing more and more services online with video trials, video conferences. Uh, And we're also going to be having the ability to do uh, jury trials this fall. We're actually looking at uh, exploring different venues that have larger spaces than our current courtroom setup. So community halls or things like that, where we could actually hold some jury trials as well.
1: Okay, let's talk about Bill 21 before I have to let you go, In um, its changes to some of the impaired driving uh, rules, and it's, in particular, dropping the criminal charge for first-time impaired drivers who do not cause injury, increasing some fines. It's based on the BC model. Uh, you're saying um, that uh, it will free up officers' times, and there are People really on both sides of the fence uh, of this one. We talked about it yesterday on the show, Minister. Um, I would think that the criminal charge would be the deterrent, not an increased fine. Where does where does the thinking, uh, you know, go on this one? Why drop that charge? Well, when you
0: take a look at this, I mean, we don't have any power of the criminal code. The criminal code is still there. You injure somebody, you kill somebody, you will face Uh the criminal code right away. If you're a repeat offender and you don't get the message that drinking and driving is not acceptable, you will face criminal code charges. But this policy saves lives, full stop. If you, go, if you go to British Columbia and you take a look at the stats, I was skeptical at first, but there's a reason why mothers against drunk driving support this policy. It saves lives. Is it something to deal with a certainty. It's our human nature that if we know that this something is certain and it's done right away, our behavior patterns can change. And that's what we've seen in British Columbia. It's a smart policy. Not only is it the right thing to do to save lives, It also saves a huge amount of court time and police time, tens of thousands of hours of police time where they're doing administrative work behind a desk when they could be back out on the street helping keeping people safe.
1: You know, it's interesting. I was talking to a lawyer who works uh, on this specifically in BC and he told me today that um, when the law was struck down there in 2011 and then reinstated back in 2012 that during that time that was actually when uh, the fewest numbers of deaths and convictions happened. When the law wasn't in place, he said that deterrence, actual deterrence uh, they have found in BC are knowing that there's going to be roadblocks up there and public Discussion. They said getting rid of that first criminal charge, um, the deterrence effect is gone. You see this differently?
0: Yeah, I mean the stats just play out. Uh, I mean the, you can try and parse stats in lots of different ways. The stats over a decade, though have shown that this this system works and this, this system was upheld by the Supreme Court of Canada. We actually have the benefit of BC you know, being the trial balloon on this for over a decade. It's been litigated heavily, gone all the way up to the Supreme Court, been upheld as a valid system. It gives people the proper checks and balances. So that's why we're pursuing this. It's a smart policy and that's why both parties in the legislature actually support it. The UCP supports it as well as the NDP, broadly speaking, support this initiative.
1: I've been told, um, and a number of people have said to me, it's it's just a way for the government to suck money out of DUI drivers. Well, I mean,
0: that, I mean that's pretty cynical. I mean, this is really a system that is designed to save lives. It's designed to make sure that we have more uh, user-friendly processes. Right now, the system would cost people tens of thousands of dollars in legal fees. This is far more straightforward. People can, It's intuitive. It's access to justice for people that they can go through it.
1: Are you worried at all about the um, the equipment being used for the roadside testing?
0: You know what? There's, what we built into this is actually a double test uh, if people want it. Uh, so you get your initial test. If you don't agree with the results, you immediately get a second test. And the, the lower one is the one that counts. So if your are second test mm-hmm. and you come in below, that's the one that counts, and, you're, and you wouldn't be facing the sanction.
1: Uh, Alberta Justice Minister Solicitor General Doug Schweitzer joining us this afternoon. I appreciate your time on, I'm sure, what is a busy day. Thank you for this.
0: No, my pleasure.
1: Take care, Minister. That is uh, Doug Schweitzer joining us this afternoon at 3:21. So again, when we come back around to this, uh, the changes to some of the rules when it comes to uh, impaired driving charges. Um, again, I, I talked to a lawyer who has been, you know, fighting these cases in BC for a decade now, who um, says, in fact, that the numbers that they are using are are skewed. Um, that comment and, and we've heard it from a, from a number of people saying that it's just another cash grab that deterrence um, has to be done in other ways um, we'll hear from him um, from that law firm coming up in the next couple of days we'll take